It is really with uh, sincere joy that uh, I'm able this morning to present our guest speaker to you. Um, several years ago, we came to a place in, our, in the ministry of building churches in Kenya where that we needed, uh, <clears throat> we needed to, um, to partner with a ministry that is recognized by the, um, by the government, you know, so that uh, we could do things unhindered. And through a whole series of events, which I won't go into, but we came to know uh, Bishop Meshach. And um, it's just a, it was just, a, you know, something of the Lord. And uh, over that time period, now we've become friends. I remember that first time that we met him, he cleared his calendar and... Um, he, he traveled with us into the interior. Now, he's archbishop over the Disciples of Christ, Pentecostal, spirit-filled denomination there. And I know he's very, 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 very busy, but he cleared his calendar and traveled with us into the bush and uh, preaching in the remote, you know, areas. And uh, so I, I knew there's something different about him. I never had any archbishops over there travel with me to the bush before. They don't like to do that. But, because uh, it's hard, but uh, thank God he did. And we have, we've been friends ever since. And he's come to the U.S. for uh, doing some things that's going on in the helm, his life and his ministry. And so we were blessed to be able to get him to come to, to preach for you. I know you're going to be blessed. Amen. So I would like, if you would, please stand to your feet and give Bishop Mishak Kahara from Kenya. A warm welcome. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. If you are able to see me, just raise up your hand. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you so much. My name is Meshach Kihara from Kenya, Africa. And I serve in, in the Disciples of Christ Church. I'm very much humbled to be with you in this church. I've enjoyed, I've been blessed by the worship. And since I came to U.S., I think this is my first time to feel the Holy Spirit moving over, over, all over in the church. And I feel that the presence of God is in this place. Amen. Amen. Uh, I, we came to meet, to, under, to know and to meet Pastor Albert Hale as he has given the testimony in Kenya. And uh, after the introduction that there yeah, is building churches all over Africa and many places, and through God's intervention, the Lord touched me and felt that I should be together with him in whatever assistance he may need. And uh, we have been moving on and on and on. And the first time I met him, they were with the Pastor uh, Raleigh Johnson, and we met in the airport in the first time. And for a short time, I came to understand that uh, Pastor Hale is a humble person, Amen. down to earth. And I thought it was for the first time, but on and on as we moved in the bushes and met, I came to understand that his, the standard of his humility is still going on and on and on. And uh, I thought that he is a practice humility in Africa. But when I came over here, and I've been staying 
in their home with imam I found that he maintains the same standard of humility. Amen. And I want to tell you that uh, you, have, you have a wonderful spiritual father. Amen. That I say that if, not, uh, if I am not a pastor, I can choose him to be my pastor all through my time, all through my life, to sit down in with him and also continue to heaven. Praise the Lord. I came also to know Raleigh Johnson, Maria Johnson, Sister Portia, uh, Brother Bob, Brother Zach, and uh, they visited my home and they planted trees. The tree of Pastor Hale is growing on and on and on. <laughs> the tree of Brother Bob is also growing. But the tree of Brother Zach was eaten by goats. <laughs> and I'm calling him to come back so that he may plant another tree. <laughs> Hallelujah. I happened to visit U.S. I was invited by some friends and my cousin in Boston. And I've been here for about three weeks. I went to visit uh, Washington. I have some believers from Disciples of Christ Church in Washington. Sometimes back they came to Kenya and uh, a young man and I officiated their wedding. And when they heard that I'm coming to U.S., they called me and they invited me. I told Pastor Albert Hale while in Kenya that uh, I'll be visiting U.S. And if it's God's will, I'll be visiting him. Amen. 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 When Pastor Hale came with Brother Bob for the first time, when I met Brother Bob for the first time, there's something that touched me, and not me alone, but uh, our people in Kenya and in our church. I found that... uh, for the first time, I've never seen a white man coming to assist a black man or a black pastor carrying the bags, the books, and serving, bringing water and whatever. I saw Bob for the first time, wherever we went, carrying bags to my room where I'm sleeping and also where we are going. And uh, still, when we came over here, when I came over here from the airport, he was there for me and he, still, uh, he was still doing the same service. Hallelujah. And I've been telling uh, people in our churches about the humility of the church. When a father has several talents, I believe all the children will copy him. Amen. And I believe this church is built upon the God's humility and listening and following God. Hallelujah. I have my relatives who lives in Texas. And when I came, when I came uh, to U.S., I never knew where they are in particular. And I called, uh, I called them. And uh, yesterday we visited them. I just wanted to stand, just I introduced them. We have sister, sister, we have sister Anne Kimani. We have Olivia Gitao. 
we have Emily Gitao. They are my cousins living in Missouri City. Yes. Yesterday, their husbands came to collect me here. And I told them they'll be coming to worship God here there. But today they hibernated. <laughs> but I thank God because our sisters and my cousins are here. Hallelujah. Let me go straight to the word of God. The message that the Lord is speaking to me to speak to this church today is all about to have the standards, to live according to the standards of the will of God. Living according to the standard of the will of God. And I want to read the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Number one, Ephesians chapter four, number one. I urge you then, I who am a prisoner because I serve the Lord, live a life that measures up to the standard God sets. When he called you, be always humble, gentle, and patient. Show your love by being tolerant with one another. Do your best to preserve the unity which the Spirit gives by means of the peace that binds you together. I'm also going to read Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, number Seven. Philippians chapter 3, number 7. But all those things that I, might, uh, that I might count as profits, I now reckon as a loss for Christ's sake. Not only those things I reckon, I reckon everything as complete loss for the sake of what is so much more valuable. The knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have thrown everything away. I consider it all as mere refuse, so that I may gain Christ and be completely united with him. I no longer have righteousness of my own, the kind that is gained by obeying the law. I now have the righteousness that is given through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God and is based on faith. All I want is to know Christ and to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings and become like him in his death, in the hope that I myself will be raised from death to life. I do not claim that I have already succeeded or have already become perfect, I keep striving to win the prize for which Christ Jesus has already won me to himself. Of course, my brothers and sisters, area do not think that I have already won it. The one thing I do, however, is to forget what is behind me and do my best to reach what is ahead. So I run straight towards the goal in order to win the prize 
which is God's call through Christ Jesus to the life above. Let us pray. Everlasting Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come before you to praise you and to worship you and to glorify thy holy name. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given me, Father, to travel from Kenya and also, Father, to be in this great nation. Thank you also for the opportunity to be in this church of generations and meeting your servants, Pastor Albert Taylor and Sister Monica, Pastor Monica, and the congregation before us. I pray, Lord Almighty, that you're going to bless the word that I'm going to administer now. I pray for the Holy Spirit to lead me in whatever that I shall speak. Father, help me and guide me. I pray for the praise, for your presence and your manifestation. Send the angels so to be on guard and to be with us, O Father. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. The first book I read was spoken by Paul in the book of Ephesians, and he was speaking to the church of Ephesians. At that time, he was in prison, and he wrote to the church of Ephesians, and he told them, even if I'm in prison, but I urge you to live a life that measures up to the standard God set when he called you. He was in prison. He was thinking all about the church. Even He never knew when he was coming up from the prison. And he had the burden of the church and the congregation and the people of God in the church. As he was struggling in his mind, the Holy Spirit spoke to him to write to the church and to give them the word and where they should live. And he told them, I urge you to live a life that measures up to the standard God set when he called you. He was reminding them that when God called them, and when God has called all of us, there is a standard that God has set that all of us should reach in order to attain the kingdom of heaven. And in order to live in the presence of God. And he was urging them. That they should struggle. They should strive on. To live all this life. All the time. I want to speak to you today. According to this word. That there is a standard that God has set. For us so that we may go to heaven. For us to receive his presence. For the promises of God to come to us. For the blessings of God to come to us. And that's why Paul was so much troubled. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 number 11. Even if I'm not going to read when Paul was speaking to the church of Corinthians, verse 11, he said that there is no other foundation that has been laid, but Jesus Christ is the foundation of all heavenly knowledge and all the heavenly riches 
There is no other foundation. And Paul was saying that he was building his salvation upon this foundation, who is Jesus Christ. And he said that all the people who have been called and saved are building upon this foundation. And there are people building on this foundation with stones. Others are building with precious stones. Others are building with gold. Others are building with wood and timber. Others are building with grass. And all the people are building upon this foundation with whatever materials they have. But he said that all this building, whatever you are building with upon this foundation will be tested. And it will be tested by fire. And if it will be able to pass through fire, there is a reward for the work, for the house that you have built upon this foundation. And this foundation is Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is a standard that God is looking for us to attain. Even whatever that we are building, our salvation, our works, everything we are doing, all this we are building ourselves and building our life upon Jesus Christ. And when the Bible says that uh, whatever we are building will pass through fire, will pass through a test, it's all about to be tested to attain the, the certain level, the certain foundation, or the certain standard that God is looking for. When we read the book of Matthew chapter 7, number 21, the Bible says, not all who call Lord, Lord, will be able to go to heaven, will be able to enter the kingdom of God. But only those who does according to the will of God. And many people will come. Jesus was speaking to them. Many people will come. And they'll be refused to go to heaven. They'll be blocked. They will remain outside. And they will tell Jesus, why are you refusing us to go to heaven? And we have been doing work in the church. We have been prophesying the church. We have been casting out demons in your name. And Jesus will tell them, go away, I don't know you. You see these people, all of them were saved. These people are in the church. You cannot be able to cast the demons with the, without faith and without the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot be able to prophesy without the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they'll have all these testimonies. But when the Lord measures them, they could not be able to attain the standard. There were many things that they left out. And therefore, because of the many things they left out, and they had some of the things, they had some of the gifts, they had the power to cast out demons, but the standard that they were supposed to have in order to attain the kingdom of heaven, they did not reach to that standard. And that's why Jesus was telling them, not all who calls me Lord, Lord, will attain the kingdom of heaven, but those who does according to the will of God. Hallelujah. Therefore, it means that there are so many things 
that we should do to add up one by one, one by one, to reach the standard that God is looking. And that's why Paul is saying, I urge you to live a life that measures to the standard that God set when he called you. When God called us, he set a standard that I want these people to serve me in this capacity. And for us to understand better, God has power that once we get saved, he may take us to heaven after we get saved without staying in this world and without going through temptations and persecutions and many things that we endure and we go through. But the will of God is after salvation, he keeps us here in the church, in the world, to serve him, to reach a standard to please him, so that we shall be having the rewards in heaven for things that you have worked for. Sometimes I think if it was fine with God, he would just been taking us after we are got saved without being entangled in the life here on earth and without going fire, without going temptations and, and the problems that we go through. But God is keeping us here so that we may serve him. So that he may see the standard of our service to him. So that we may touch others' lives. So that you may build Kenya, you may build churches in Kenya. That pastor has been going and building churches also in Guatemala. I've been seeing all those pictures. There is a standard that God is looking forward to. You reaching. And there are so many things that once you don't have the standard that God is looking forward to, there are many promises that you cannot attain. There are some of the blessings that cannot come over you. In Kenya, many people and also in my tribe, will, uh, the elders and the parents keep the title this for the land and for the parcels of land that we have. And you cannot take the title deed of the land to give to your son or to your child, even if at all he has not attained the standard of keeping that document. Hallelujah. And therefore, the father or the parent will hand over the title deed when he finds that the son or the child has the standard to care about this land and to take care about all the other things. Also, we have many in the banks, and you cannot give an ATM card to a small child to be withdrawing money from the bank. If the child doesn't attain the standard, he cannot be able, he cannot be trusted to. And this is all about the standard. The Bible says in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, number 20, that if you cleanse yourself and sanctify yourself, and leave alone all the other things that may not please God. God can use you as a noble vessel. And therefore, when, the, uh, when God speaks that when you cleanse yourself and sanctify yourself. And you have to leave many things behind you. 
to have freedom or to be free in order to be able to serve God. And after cleansing yourself and sanctifying yourself, God is saying that he will pick you to use you as a noble vessel. So therefore we understand that there is a standard that God cannot use you. And there is a standard that God is looking that he may use you and that he will be able to be pleased by you. And all of us, as we are going to heaven, we should work upon and we should strive each and every day to please God. Hallelujah. To please God, to be humble. In the book of Matthew chapter 5, number 6 and 5 and 8, the Bible says, Blessed are the humble people. Because they'll be able to see God. Blessed are, are pure in, in their hearts. But it all depends the amount of humility in you. Because you may have, you may be having humility for a short time or for few days or few hours. But for the rest of the time, when temptations come, you'll not be able to really stand all the temptations. That's why Jesus was saying that Blessed are the people who are humility, people who are humble, people who are pure in their heart, people who thirst and hunger because of the things of the kingdom of God. And when we go to number 20 of Matthew, chapter 5, number 20, Jesus, when he was speaking to his disciples, he said, if your righteousness and if your love and your righteousness will not, will not overtake the righteousness and the love of the Pharisees. The love of the Pharisees will not be able to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus was putting a boundary to his disciples. And he did not put this boundary between the disciples and the world, he was putting this boundary, giving an example with other people who are, who are looking for God and worshiping God and people who are yearning to go to heaven. The Pharisees, and the people who are writing laws. And Jesus observed them and observed the disciples of Christ. And he told them that you should work more above and exceed your actions and your faithfulness. And I may say that he was calling upon them to exceed their standard of serving God, to exceed the standard of righteousness, the standard of humility, the standard of purity, the standard of serving God, the standard of their, their love was to be above the standard of the Pharisees and the scribes. When I was, when I received an invitation to come to America, we were praying God and some friends in Boston invited me and uh, some of my cousins there. And uh, they were calling upon me just to come. I did not force myself to come to U.S. 
we were discussing some of the things and uh, they were telling me, can you come over? I, I knew it was not easy to come to America because there are many handles. You have to have the visa and for you to be given the visa, you have to go about eight, eight steps. The first steps is the application, which is online. And after, uh, through the application, you pay 16,800 Kenya shillings, non-refundable, online, so that they, they be able to give you the dates for the interview. That is online. And without paying 16,800, they cannot give you dates. That is number one. Number two, if they approve, they reply that they are looking forward to seeing the interview on a certain day. They give you dates to choose. When you go to U.S. Embassy, you go seven steps. You pass seven standards, seven levels. The first, le the first step is security. They check on you your shoes, everything, your passports. The second step is security also. The third step, security. The fourth step, then you are allowed to enter the offices of the American Embassy in Nairobi. They check on your passports and D-160 uh, forms. They, they send you for verification of your fingers. And they take your passport and the forms. Then they send you to another office. And then you are told to stay outside for a while so that they may verify your passport, whether it's genuine or it's a fake one. And that is the time you qualify to be taken to the interview room. In the interview, in the interview, there are two people or Two or three people, four people, you cannot be able, you just see them through the glass because they are in tellers. And you go there and you'll be asked a lot of questions. They, they, they advise that you must have an invitation letter from U.S. with an envelope. That they want to see the envelope to see where the address. Then they want to see the letter. They want to see your bank statements to see the attachment back in Kenya, your credentials, ordination certificates, and uh, either title deeds, and many things. And so that you qualify, they ask you questions. Why are you going to US? Have you been there another time? For how long are you staying there? What do you do? How much do you earn? And they measure you in all those standards. They normally don't tell you whether you have, uh, your visa is approved or not, but they give you a paper. When you're given a pink paper, it means that the visa is not approved. When they give you a blue paper, it is written the visa is approved. Hallelujah. Miraculous city. I went with the backlog of the documents and they never asked me. They never asked me for any document at all. I don't know why. I don't know why. They just asked me questions and I told them, I just want to be in the U.S. for one month and some few days. 
So many people are crying. Many people do cry in the embassy when the, their visa is cancelled. Many people are worried. They are disgusted. But I, I received, it was my first time, I received a blue paper. Hallelujah. And I read it, it was saying that uh, the visa is approved. I just asked the security, what does this mean? <laughs> I wanted the approval and the verification. And they were telling me, oh, you have been given the visa. Just go there and pay. You pay 4,200 shillings so that it stays there for two days or three, uh, or three days of one week. And it will be sent back to you through DHL. People in Kenya say that it is easier to go to heaven. <laughs> than to go to America. Because going to heaven, you just need to repent your sins <laughs> and maintain the standard of righteousness. Then you have the assurance of going to heaven. But coming to America is hell. <laughs> and therefore, even if they crack jokes, but you see, God is so gracious to each and every one of us. That once you repent your sins and you humble yourself and strive and work for the Lord and read the standard, you'll be having the, sure, uh, the assurance of going to heaven. Hallelujah. And therefore, if we don't attain the standard that God wants us to have, God can use anything to serve him. We as human beings, if you don't serve God to the standard that God is looking, God can use anything to serve him. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, number 7, 8, and 9, when John the Baptist was in the river Jordan baptizing people, he found the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to be baptized. And he asked them, who gave you this message to repent your sins. Show the fruits of your repentance. Show the standard of your repentance that you have repented all your sins. And do not say that you are the children of Abraham because God can turn these stones to be the children of Abraham. In number 10, he says the axe is in the roots of the trees. And any tree that doesn't bear good fruits it will be cut and thrown to fire. Why did John the Baptist spoke about all this that do not say that you are the children of Abraham because God can overturn these stones and make them the children of Abraham. He never called a person, there is a stone beside you. That if you don't rise to the standard that God has set for you to go to heaven and to receive blessings, God can turn the stones and serve him. One time when Jesus was entering Jerusalem, and all the people and the disciples were singing, Hosanna, 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 the Pharisees and, uh, came and told Jesus that these people are making noise. And he told them, if they don't say Hosanna to me, 
these stones will be singing for Jesus and will be singing Hosanna, Hosanna. When you don't serve God according to the standard that God has set for you, there is an alternative. There is an alternative. In the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17, number 3 to number Number three to number seven. The Israelites, this time at the time of prophet Elijah, the Israelites had turned away from God to worship idols and Baal. And there were, were no people meeting for worship as we are meeting now here. All of them were worshiping Baal. And sometimes... Elijah went to God and told God, kill me, let me die. For I'm seeing as if I'm, I'm the only one who is worshipping you. And God told him, continue and encourage yourself. Because I have 7,000 people who cannot worship Baal somewhere. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, number 3. God told Elijah, move from here and run away. And hide yourself in the brook of Kerith. There was nobody to give this prophet even water or food. But the Bible says that God commanded the ravens to take bread and meat to Elijah in the morning and in the evening. And I understand that they were bringing, they were taking to Elijah very sweet bread. There is no in the Bible that it is indicated where, where the bakery was, the bakery was, where these ravens were taking bread from. They were also bringing hot, hot and very soft meat. When you put a bread, a slice of bread and meat, then another uh, slice of bread on top. We call it, is it, is it the sandwich or the hamburger? <laughs> Whatever we may call it. But God was choosing the best. The best food and the sweetest food at that time. And I believe this bread and this meat was coming from heaven. Because it is not indicated the slaughterhouse where this meat was, uh, was brought from. Or the butchery. But as God gave the Israelites the manna in the wilderness, God was giving Elijah this bread and this meat from heaven. And the transporters of this food were the birds, the ravens. There was King Ahab, the Israel, all of them were there. They were alive, but they had gone back not to serving God as God was looking forward to. And the altar of God at that time was occupied by birds called ravens. Those people who serve God, they serve in his altar. And the altar of God at that time was occupied by ravens. Not because there were no people, but these people did not have the heart to serve God according to the standards of God. 
We must know that there are stones besides you if you don't serve God. There are ravens near you if you don't serve God. And God can use anything. In the book of Jonah, chapter 1, we see that Jonah was sent by God to serve, God to take a message to Nineveh. And he went somewhere else. He went to Joppa. He took a, a ship to Spain. And number four, verse four, the Bible says that when he was running away from God, God sent another servant to the ship. And this servant was storm and wind. The Bible says that God sent this storm. Therefore, this storm and wind became the servant of God at that time. Because God can use anything if people do not serve him. And the ship was shaking. It was shaking, it was shaking. The sailors were moving their belongings and throwing it to the sea. Until they cast ballots to ask who is causing all this trouble. I don't know how they did it. But the name of Jonah, the ballot fell on the name of Jonah. And they asked him, the pilot, the captain asked him, why are you not worshiping God and praying as others are praying? And he confessed that he has been sent by God and he has refused. And they were asking him, what do you want us to do? He said that, throw me in the sea. Throw me in the sea. But these people are so merciful. They, they tried to bring the sheep ashore so that they could take Jonah to another place, not to kill him. The Bible says that the wind and the storm came very strongly at this time that they could not go to the shore. So, they told God, God do not punish us if we throw this man into the sea. And they threw Jonah in the sea. Verse number 17 says, through the command of God, he commanded a big fish which came and swallowed Jonah. He commanded a big fish. At that time, the servant who could obey God more than Jonah and more than a person was a big fish. Because verse 17 says, he through the command of God, he commanded a big fish to come and swallow Jonah. And he stayed in the fish for three days, days and nights. And the fish went and took Jonah in the shore of Nineveh. Even if it is not written, but I think the fish was communicating with Jonah and asking him, what is your name? Where are you going? Why were you running from the Lord? What do you think at this time? It is not written, but just I think by myself. Those are the questions that the fish was asking Jonah. And when the fish alighted in the shore, I think it told him, God has commanded me to bring you here so that you may serve God according to the first calling. And Jonah was left in the shore and he went to Nineveh with or without his will. God would have done away with Jonah 
But I think Jonah had done so many good things before. And God found that this little thing that he's running away may cause him not to go to heaven. There was a small thing that could hinder him. And God wanted him to complete the standard of going to heaven. We must know that if, you don't, if we don't serve God according to the standard that God is, has set for us, there is a fish near you. There are stones near you. There are birds near you. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verse 91, that all creatures serve God. All creatures have God. In Joshua chapter 10, the Bible says when Joshua was fighting, it was getting dark. He was fighting, he was fighting. He prayed to God and he told the sun, I command you, the sun and the moon, stop there until I fight and I conquer my enemies. And the sun stood stand still and the moon stood stand still. Until Joshua complete, completed the battle that he was fighting. And that's why the Bible says that all creatures have God. If we may not serve God according to the standard that he has set. God has an alternative. Do you want God to use fish instead of you? Do you want God to turn stones instead of you? Do you want God to use ravens instead of you? In the book of Daniel chapter 6, number 14 to number 25, we all read about Daniel when he was thrown in the pit of lion. And the king put a big stone on top of this pit and put a seal that nobody was able to remove the seal or the stone because they had uh, they had put a law that uh, anybody who did not worship the king at that time will be thrown in the pit of lions. But all these people were looking for Daniel. They could not be able to get him in all other areas of his weaknesses. And when they found Daniel worshiping God, looking to Jerusalem, they called and reported to the king. The king loved Daniel so much and he struggled from morning to evening trying to see how he can save him. But the people kept on coming, asking him, the law that you have put, O king, cannot be changed. And so the king had to obey. Daniel was put in the pit of lions. And God sent his angel to command the lions to be the servants of God at that time. And they provided the blankets for Daniel in his legs, in his heart, in his chest, in his head. And I think some of the lions came for him to be the, the pillow as he was sleeping. The Bible says that Daniel had uh, a good sleep, the deepest sleep. But the king was troubled. He did not eat. He did not drink. He did not sleep. Wondering about Daniel. Until very early in the morning, he went to this pit and he was calling Daniel, Daniel. Did the God whom you serve save you? 
And Daniel said, yes, king, live forever. The God that I serve, send an angel. And he closed the mouths of the lions, that, and now I am saved. Hallelujah. It was the command of God to the lions that this time you eat people and you eat other animals for the rest of your time. But this time I have a servant and I command you, give shelter and security to this person. When we serve God diligently according to the standard of God, God is going to provide security. And there is nothing that should worry us. Hallelujah. Therefore, in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 16, number 10, number 9, the Bible says that God's eyes are looking all over. God is busy in the seat of mercy. All over. One of the responsibilities of God in the seat of mercy, as the scriptures, he's looking all over. Looking whether he can meet somebody to meet the standard that he can bless him and show his mightiness and show his power and uplift him. And the Bible says that one of the responsibilities of God is that his, his eyes are moving up and down, right and left. It means that he's searching and looking for people. He cannot see people who are qualifying to be shown them his mightiness and his miracles and his power. But if we rise above to the standard that God has set for us, the eyes of God shall be moving to meet us and God will be showing his mercies and his kindness unto us and his miracles unto us. As I'm going on summarizing my message, Paul told the Corinthians that you should put your lives always on check. In the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, number 5. Number 5 says, Paul, when he was speaking to the church of Corinthians, he told them, you should test, you should test your lives and test your faith and test your capability to see whether you're still living in faith or whether God is still living in you so that you may not have lost the contact of God and you are still in the church. By this, Paul was telling the church that each and every Christian, each and every member should put his life on check. When he was speaking that their life should be put on check, it was all about the standard of God. That when you are moving Day and night, going to fellowship in the church, serving God, intermingling with other people in the world. The Bible shows, the Holy Spirit spoke through Paul that you should always look behind where you have come from and where you are in order to put your life into test and into check. Whether you are going in the right direction. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, number 27 or oh, starting from number 24, Paul is saying that uh, all the athletics, the people who are athletes, keeps on practicing themselves so that they may win the race. And they are being given the prize that is perishable. But we are looking forward for a prize which is not perishable. 
And he said that whoever runs according to the will of God, he'll be able to attain this prize. This is all about the standard that God has set for us. And in verse 27, he said, uh, in verse 26, he said, he never throws his, uh, his hands in the air. He never fights the wind for nothing. And he never runs without going to the goal, staggering. But he goes, he runs with a standard of going to the goal. Number 27 touches me so much because he said that I usually punch my body and sacrifice my body. And make my body as a sacrifice and to work for God. So that after calling and preaching for people to come on board. In the church and in the kingdom of God. That I, I personally, I will be disqualified. As an apostle, a servant of God. High ranked. Who was in high rank position. He was very much worried about checking on his life, saying that if he could not be able to check on his life, his spiritual life and his Christian life, he may be going on and on and many people coming on board, coming to church and getting saved, but he may lose, he may be disqualified. For us not to be disqualified, there is a standard that God has set that we should serve him. There is the standard of humility. God is wanting us to reach. There is the standard of sacrifice God wants us to reach. The book of First, uh, First Kings, number three, from number one to number four, the Bible says that King Solomon, when he was a young king, went to a place, to a town called Gibeon. He was going to Sacrifice for the Lord. And he took, he slaughtered a thousand cows for God to sacrifice. Many people had been going the same place, also in Shiloh, to sacrifice. But this time round, this time round, God was touched by the give, by the sacrifice of Solomon. He slaughtered a thousand animals, a thousand cows. You know it is not easy to slaughter a thousand cows in one place. Possibly he made many altars. Possibly two or ten cows. And he lined up and he lit fire. You can imagine a thousand cows given by one person. The Bible says that God was restless in heaven. God could not continue staying in heaven. Seeing such a standard of sacrifice. The Bible says that he left heaven. Possibly told the cabinet in heaven. Be going on with the business. There's somebody in Gibeoni. He has given a sacrifice. I'm being touched. I cannot keep quiet anymore. And the Bible says that God went and uh, Solomon had worked for God. Sacrificing until he was so much tired that he slept. But God went and woke him up. Wake up. I've been touched by your standard of sacrifice. By your standard of giving. And God asked him, what do you want me to give you? It is only in the highest standard of serving God and sacrificing to him 
that can touch God, that can provoke God to come for you to ask you a question. The Bible says that God had never seen such a sacrifice before since the beginning of the world. Even now, God, come, uh, God can come to us after seeing our passion in serving God. After seeing the passion of our sacrifices. After seeing the passion of the standard of our hearts in service to him. And God may ask you, what do you want? Solomon said that I want wisdom. This surprised God. And God told him, I thought you could ask for riches and wealth and big name. But I've given you wisdom that has never been given to anybody else in this world. And nobody shall be given that wisdom. And God said, all the things that you did not ask, I'm giving you these things by force. I've added you riches and wealth. When you touch God by your standard of serving and your standard of sacrifice, God may give you above your requests. God may give you even the things you have not asked for. Because Solomon came up from Gibeon carrying heavy amount of wisdom, carrying riches back to his home, wealth, big name, security, favor from God, and he moved out from Gibeon because of his standard of serving. As I come to the end, there is research shows that uh, people die all over the world. People die. 108 people die every minute. 108 people die every minute. And therefore, after 60 minutes, which is one hour, it is 108 times 60. Because one hour consists of 60 minutes, which is 6,480. Therefore, one day, how many people die one day, 24 hours? It is 6,480 times 24, which consists one day, 24 hours, which is roughly 155,520. How many people die in a month? It is 30 days times 155,000 people. It's about 4.6 million people die each and every month. It is by the grace of God that we are living. Because we do not have power to sustain ourselves, but our power and favor comes from the Lord. And it is our time now to think from this day onwards, what are the standards that we're going to fight ourselves to reach in order to please God? The book of Titus, chapter 3, number 14, the Bible says, Paul was telling Titus, our people should learn how to spend their time in doing good so that they may not live useless lives. Our people should learn. Our people should be taken into a class. Christians should be taken to a class to be taught 
how to spend their time in doing good so that they may not live in the church with useless lives. When I go to cemeteries, I find in the cemeteries I are written rest in peace. That person buried there was an engineer. Others were doctors. Others were teachers. Others were healthy people. But they died without their lives touching God and without doing anything to God. Some were engineers. If you don't put your talents into serving God now, they are not building roads in heaven. Those people who are engineers here, there is no building roads in heaven. Those who are contractors, there are no building houses in heaven. Our houses are built by God. He went to make and to prepare for us so that when the place is okay, he's going to take us to heaven. And therefore, I think God has spoken to us. And may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless his word. Let me pray. I want to pray for you. Everlasting Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come before you to say thank you for the word of God, for your word, O Jehovah, that you, are, you have administered to your people. Lord Almighty, I pray that you are going to touch on the lives of the people in this church so that they may pull up their socks, O God, to reach the standard that you have set in serving you in all the capacities. I pray that the Holy Spirit shall lead them and lead us, O God, that all the times we shall be learning how to spend the time in doing good and also putting our lives always on check. Thank you, Lord Almighty. We bless you. We uplift you. And we are trusting, God, that you are going to bless us and to be with us for the rest of our time that we shall attain the king, your kingdom in heaven. All this, Father, we pray, trusting and believing. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And we say, Amen. Hallelujah. What do you say when I go back to Kenya? I don't know when I'll be going back to Kenya next month. From here, I'll be going to Boston. We have been hosted uh, at this time. Maybe we may not meet again, but may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you.